millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast. As the curtain dawns on another international tournament, another is greeting its guests back to the second half of the show that we like to call domestic football. However, that is not the reason for today's Hulkcast episode. In fact, quite the opposite. As usually, host of the match previews, I like to look into the future. However, on this occasion, I will be looking back on the events in Qatar from a Villa perspective, as it was the fairy tale ending, as our own Emmy Martinez teamed up alongside the world's very best in Lionel Messi, as the current resident of France helped his country overcome the tournament holders to complete the footballing trophy cabinet. Luckily for you viewers, I will not be conquering this episode alone, but instead will be joined to talk through the man with first-hand experience of Qatar, evidently due to his luxurious tan, Mr. Simon O'Regan. How are you, Simon? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Is it nice to be home? Uh, it is, you know, it's um, <clears throat> home a bit earlier than I would have liked as an England fan. But yeah, after three weeks out there, I kind of, I was sort of ready to come home in a way, but I didn't want to at the same time. But yeah, no, it's nice to be back, although the weather over there was a hell of a lot better than it's been here. Well, I, I can see, I can see. So let's start in chronological order. If I'm not mistaken, you flew out to Qatar on the 20th of November, right? Uh, yeah, that's, that was the opening day of the tournament, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the first question I've got for you, were, were there any nerves considering the media coverage, obviously, the tournament got beforehand? Was there anything playing on your mind before you went out there? To, to be honest, no. Um, I mean, we, the, so there was three of us who went over and we, we kind of, we'd spoken about it before. The, I, I think pretty much like everyone had, as you say, with like the various media coverage and scare stories and stuff like that. But I mean, I've I've got friends who've actually uh, lived and worked out in Qatar, and they they were there for like four years. I only came back maybe eighteen months ago, so I sort of I thought, well, do you know what? I'll speak to them and listen to them, and, and sort of get an idea from, from them about what it was like. And, and they had a great time over there. So I, I kind of I wasn't really like nervous or worried particularly about anything, and and even. Obviously, I think two days, was it two or three days before the tournament started, they, they gave the announcements that alcohol wouldn't be served in the stadiums, which people sort of got in a real tiz over. But again, the three of us sort of chatted. And we were kind of like, well, to be honest, I don't actually tend to drink that much in the ground anyway. Like, because you don't really have the time while you get there. And, and you, you sort of, you, you're rushing your points and if, if you're going to do that. So... You know, we weren't really overly fussed by that. And, and we also kind of thought, you know, if you're not drinking too much, we'll actually remember the games. And like for, for us, we were going there to watch the football. Like that was our main focus was to go and watch football. So, yeah, all these sort of the stories beforehand, they kind of they didn't really have much of an effect on the three of us. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I completely understand where you're coming from with the wanting to go and watch football. Were there places outside of the grounds that you could go and get alcohol? Because I know that there was a, a big fan park. Did you did you manage to go there at all? Yeah, so to be fair, we only actually went to the fan park once. Um, we were there, I, I believe, I think if memory serves, it was the day of the Argentina-Saudi Arabia match, actually. So it was quite... It, it, I think that was about maybe one o'clock in the afternoon, sort of in in Qatar, and um, the fan park it, it was it was all right at that time, but it, it the they had like a couple of big screens. But obviously, the sun is you know right high in the sky at that time of day, so there was like a bit of a glare on the screens, and they they were serving alcohol in the fan park, but only from seven o'clock at night. Um, so you know you couldn't. Obviously, during the day uh, for those games, go go and get get drinks there. So we we only stayed there for a little bit. We never went back for an evening game because we were kind of we, we would go to the sort of like either hotel bar to watch it or we watch it in our apartments. But I sort of I, I know a, a few Welsh fans actually who who are out there who did go in the evening and it did look a, a bit better because I think it's probably a bit more lively in the evening and a, a bit more. There was more fans there, but when we were there during the day, it it wasn't great. And mate, like there, even like little things like there wasn't like places to sit and stuff like that. Not that you necessarily you know want to all just be sitting down, but you you kind of especially in that heat, you you, you kind of think there needed to be some sort of shaded areas and places to sit for because you know you've got you know the three of us are there we're in our mid-30s like relatively decent health but if you're like a bit older or if you've got like young children there it's it's it wasn't ideally set up for that i don't think as i say i think probably if you were going there sort of night time for the late kickoffs you probably have had a better experience than we had when we did that right i mean it makes sense doesn't it you know the heat that you were in standing for that long i remember i went to egypt once and just i mean nothing compared but you know it, it must have been hard for you so let's talk you through the accommodation you you mentioned an apartment whereabouts did you stay because there were videos uh again coming out before the tournament started of this fan accommodation of almost the tents and some of which had no air conditioning was was that the case with you no so we we booked uh probably in january this year um we actually we booked through the FA's official travel partner. So we actually got like it was quite a nice apartment, sort of fairly central in Doha, really. So we were quite well set up with, with where we'd booked. Um I mean, I, I haven't spoken to fans out there, like various different fans staying in different places. I I think there were some places that, that weren't great and and um for the money that I heard some people paid for what they got wasn't brilliant. I mean, we we paid like a, a, a fair amount and probably more than we should have really because the the co- company that we um that we used the, the FA's official company Sports World we're we're actually in a a debate with them at, at, at the moment about some money that 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 we firmly believe is owed to us and we might actually uh, we might be taking legal action against them so they they weren't great to work with I've got to be honest the biggest problem with the whole thing was actually uh, a company based over here that works with the FA that was that was our biggest ongoing problem for a few months leading into the tournament and it's still going ahead at the moment do you can you talk about it I can yeah so basically um the package that we bought was for the it was accommodation for the initial 10 days 
and the flights there and back. And before booking it, I'd emailed the company to to ask with the return flights, would they move in line uh, for when England, you know, if England progressed in the tournament, is that return flight move in line for, uh, to, to like come back the day after that? And we got an email back saying, yes, that, that's exactly what will happen. So we booked it. So that was back in January. And I then can in see June, where this is going now. Yeah, in June, we got an email um, from them advertising sort of accommodation extension packages for the knockout rounds. And just at the bottom of the email, in very small writing, was a, a little line saying all return flights will be on the 30th of November at the end of the group stage. So we kind of got in contact with them going, well, hang on, that's, that's, not, that's not what you said originally. Um, and they kind of came back to us and said, yeah, whoever told you that shouldn't have told you that. And our kind of position was, well, they did. It was a representative of your company. We, we bought the package based on that information. And um, we had a lot of back and forth with them where eventually they said, okay, what we'll do is rather than, because these were chartered flights. So they said, we'll remove you from the charter flights and we'll book you like just a, a regular flight over. And they said, we will book you a return flight for the 19th of December, so the day after the final. But obviously if you get knocked out before, um, we'll, you know, we'll change the flight and they will pay for the change of airfare. Because you know, because we'd already paid basically for what we thought were initial return flights, and then after we uh, lost to France and we phoned them up, they basically said, "No, no, you have to pay for the uh, change in airfare, which was eight hundred and seventy-five pounds each." So we, yeah, my so my mate who was on the phone to him, we sorted it out. He he just thought, right, we, we we're going to have to do this and argue the toss when we get back home. Uh, but luckily, my um, my cousin uh, recently married someone who is a lawyer who specialises in contract law. And I've given her all the emails that we've had back and forth. And she's basically said, yeah, they've not got a leg to stand on. So we're giving them till the, the end of January to, to come back and give us the money back that they owe us. Otherwise, we, we will be taking legal action against them. And I've got to be honest, we spoke to a number of England fans out there and every single one who uh, booked through Sports World have had some sort of problem with them. So we won't be using them in the future. And it's quite disappointing, actually. So we got in contact with the FA back in sort of January, July time as well. And didn't hear a single thing back from them, which which was, you know, quite, quite poor, really, considering the amount of money that this company made. Because we... When it came to booking extension packages, the accommodation for the quarterfinal, we we thought, do you know what? Let's just book directly through the sort of the uh, hotel apartment that we're in. And it turns out that Sports World were putting about a thousand pound markup on the price per person. Uh, so yeah, we're uh, we're not happy with Sports World at the moment. Unbelievable. Um, well, because how did when did you find out that you obviously had this change of price for the flight home because i remember texting you and i was like oh so so when are you coming home and this was a few days after the france game and you were like oh yeah we came we came home the night of the game uh, no 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 so we the game was the saturday we flew home the sunday afternoon right so we so literally after the game um we were we got a taxi back to the apartment from the grounds and so it was about like probably about half one in the morning at this stage and in the taxi my mate was on the phone to sports worlds to, to get the flight booked and and i think that's why he was like at that time in the morning he just thought do you know what 
let, I'll, I'll just pay this now and then when we get back home we'll uh we'll get into contact with them and, and and have a bit of a running dialogue i mean you mentioned all the troubles that you went through and i'm gonna i'm gonna stick on that topic for now um england versus iran apparently there were loads of issues for getting into the stadium i've seen a lot of people struggling with the barcode that it either wouldn't come up um and there are actually some newspaper articles that came out and said about five minutes till kickoff, they ended up just letting anyone in because they had that many people and so much demand of people going, look, I've got my ticket on my phone, but it's for some reason or other, it's not showing up. Did you have the same problem? Uh, we didn't, to be honest. We, I mean, to be fair, we got, we probably got to the ground probably about an hour and a half before kickoff because we'd had emails saying, you know, get there early. And to be fair, we wanted to get there a bit early to sort of, soak up a bit of the atmosphere around the grounds and get in there as well. Um, I think when we were going in, uh, so be- before you go into the grounds, there's like there was sort of an initial perimeter around the stadium uh, of like security checks and stuff like that that you had to go through first. And I think we probably had to queue for maybe 15, 20 minutes to get to that initial point. And then, yeah, you had your tickets on your phone. Well, a lot of people had tickets on their phone. And to be fair, for that Iran game, um, the ticket was up, but it it kind of, it, I think it like it, when when you got to the in, uh, close to the ground, you had to put Bluetooth on your phone, and it would like activate the ticket, and that wasn't working. But I just uh, with the security guard that I spoke to, I you know just sort of showing the phone, showing that I had the ticket, but it wasn't activated, and basically he just took my phone and put some code into it, and it activated the ticket, so. I think maybe because we got there so early, it meant that we didn't have problems. I mean, I I can't speak for <clears throat> any of these stories of people, you know, struggling to get in. So I, I just never saw that. I never saw anyone with any struggles. I'm sure it, it probably did happen. But when when we were in the ground, it, it, it didn't, like you saying there, sort of like five, ten minutes before kickoff, they just like let everyone in it. We didn't like notice a, a massive surge at that time of people coming in. It sort of just filled up quite sort of naturally, really. So, yeah, we we never had any problems get, getting into the grounds, to be honest. Well, there you go. Let's let's all aim to time keep like Simon then to avoid <laughs> to avoid trouble in the future. Sticking with that Iran game, I mean, thoughts on the game itself. It was almost the perfect sort of opener for England. Really, a lot of people were worried that we wouldn't be able to break them down, but we ended. The problem ended up being the conceding goals. How did you find the match? Yeah, I, I thought we played really, really well in it. <clears throat> I mean, I was kind of we did all uh, all three of us. We were a bit nervous beforehand because England had, had not played well in twenty twenty two. Let's be honest, the Nations League, you know, was was a disaster of a campaign. Um, so you were a little bit nervous. I I, I was never worried that we were going to lose the game because I didn't think Iran were really ever going to have enough to trouble us. But it was it was a question of whether we break them down because they did have quite you know do have quite a good defensive record under Carlos Queiroz. I think I read or heard somewhere before this uh, tournament started that I think he managed maybe like a hundred games for them, and in maybe only eighteen of those games they conceded more than two goals in a game. So you were kind of thinking, especially how Southgate you know, can be quite cautious, shall we say, in his approach. Um, there was that initial worry, but I, I, I thought we were excellent. I, I thought the midfield three worked really well for that particular game. Uh, Jude Benningham was just 
you know, absolutely outstanding. And then uh, a 3-0, you know, he, at halftime, the game's pretty much won. And, and the quality that we could bring off the bench and, and the fact that he didn't really uh, affect the, the way that we were attacking in that game was quite impressive. So, yeah, after, after that first game, we were, uh, we were all convinced that he was coming home. I mean, I don't blame you. I, I was exactly the same. And I, I interviewed Tom. I don't know whether you saw for the 7500 to Hulk channel. And we did our almost predictions on the tournament. And me and Tom both said that um, we thought Argentina would win. Luckily, we obviously released it before the tournament finished. Yeah. So, you know, we could we could have our moment. Um, I mean, I've, I've got to be honest. Uh, my in very other podcasts that, that I do, I, I did say that I think Argentina will win it before the tournament as well. Well, there we go. Three out of five of us. And I was actually speaking to, uh, I watched the Iran game at Villa Park and Ian Taylor and Brian Little also both said Argentina. So it actually looks as though they were one of the favourites going into it. But let's move on to the second England game. Obviously, we've scored six in our opener um, and then we failed to score against America. Talk us through the feelings about that one. Uh, with that one, the result itself I don't think was was too bad, or you know, a, a draw in a World Cup group game is not a disaster. It was the performance that that was the frustration with, with that. Um, and you kind of what was really odd, and the the feeling amongst sort of fans that we were chatting to during like watching the game was we couldn't understand what why the the midfield were, had played in such a different way to the Iran game. Like, obviously, you're not going to play the same way every single game. But it felt, watching the game, obviously Maguire and Stones were having a lot of the ball at the back and Declan Rice would drop to them. But any time Rice got the ball or if Maguire and Stones looked up, Bellingham and Mount were so high up the pitch compared to the Iran game where they were, they were quite fluid and they were dropping deep and, you know, it was, they were sort of playing through the thirds, as, as, uh, as coaches would say. So it was... It was it was it was strange watching that against USA because you kind of felt well, that that high up the pitch for that you know for so much of this game surely it must be an instruction they can't just be doing that off their own back um, so that that was it was frustrating and I think the what really kind of annoyed fans was um, Southgate's comments after the game you know when he was saying how happy he was with the performance and how how great he thought it was. And like you kind of, you know, football fans, some of them are idiots, but the majority of football fans aren't idiots. Like they're not stupid. And there's nothing worse than sitting through a game that you know you've not played well in and then hearing your manager come out and trying to tell you how brilliant it is. You, know, you kind of think, just come out and be honest and say, you know, the, the performance wasn't great, but we're happy with the results. It keeps us top of the group. It keeps us in control of the group. I think then you go, yeah, okay, fair enough. You know, it, it, maybe it's just an off day. But yeah, so there, there was there was a bit of frustration, I, I think, certainly after that game. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, we've gone through two thirds of the group now, so we might as well do the final one before we go back to your downtime in Qatar. Wales, there was almost a, a worry back here of, where if we can't break America down, then is the same going to happen for Wales? You know, Wales have to win to stand any chance of qualifying. Were you ever worried? I've got to be honest, no. Purely because I thought, having watched Wales' games against USA and Tunisia, uh, Tunisia USA and Iran, I, 
I honestly thought they're the worst team at this tournament. And I genuinely believe they were the worst team to play at that tournament. They they were horrific in both games. I know they people say they, they were better in the second half against USA. They never looked like scoring until that stupid penalty was given away. Um, like Bale and Ramsey are just a shadow of the players they were in 2016. And like, I, yeah, I've got to be honest. There was no part of me that was ever worried going into that game against Wales because they they were just they were so bad in those two games. You kind of thought that you know that that Iran game they really needed to get something out of that. And they if they have lost that game four or five nil, it it wouldn't have been unfair. I don't think they. I was so disappointed with them. And like they they had a lot of fans out there. And, you know, we got chatting to a lot of Welsh fans, and you know, a couple of my best friends are. are that I'm at uni in Wales, the Welsh fans, you know, a couple of them uh, came out for the tournament. And you kind of, you know, speaking to them. And uh, it's the night before that game, uh, one of my mates, Welsh lads, he came and met up with the three of us uh, in a bar for a few drinks. And he was like, he was, I think he was excited to be there and to watch his country in the World Cup. But I think he, like, even he knew, like, from their opening two games that, that they were going to offer nothing. And, and they offered nothing, and, you know, it was a very comfortable night for us in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. It seems as though the same sort of feeling's gone on. And you mentioned your your interaction with fans, and I will come on to that very, very soon. Um, but as for downtime, I mean, for anyone that isn't about to get this reference, I'd go and follow Simon on Instagram. Um, you know, you put up pictures of you posting on the beach you were on an electric scooter at one point you even went to the Qatari desert how was all of that and taking in sort of the atmosphere in your surroundings yeah it was really good to be fair um see like that the we with the scooters there was so many of them around and they were so cheap and it was kind of it was a good way to sort of get around the place really because 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 again it was it was so hot you know you 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 couldn't really be walking ever. You had, you had the metro system, which was free and was really good. But you kind of, you know, you're all underground, so you're not seeing stuff. So it was quite a good way, like, to just get the scooter and sort of, like, go along uh, sort of, like, the coastline and see different things. And then, yeah, the, you kind of, the uh, all over the place, The uh, you know, they didn't just have the, the one big fan park. They had TVs, like, just set up in really random places in parks and stuff. So... We like, for example, that so that's uh, Argentina Saudi Arabia game. We watched the first half in the fan park. At half time, we left and sort of like took a a wander down, and we we just found this like little area of parkland uh, where they had uh, the big TV there. And there was probably I'd say about 150 200 Saudi Arabia fans just sat there watching the game. Um, so we like went and sat and watched the second half with them, and like that that was an amazing experience. Like seeing their reactions at full time, obviously with them winning the game, that was incredible. And then yeah, the day out in the desert was 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 amazing. Like we just hired a car and like sort of picked a few different like things to go and see. So like <clears throat> there was like this massive big cave that you could just like wander down into. There was like just weird art installations out in the middle of nowhere, and so like it, it was a unique experience because you know it's a part of the world that I've never been to before, and I've never really thought about going to, and probably would never go to as a holiday destination. So to sort of like to, to go and do those things like was an amazing experience, and 
it kind of you, you couldn't just sit and watch football non-stop every single day like you, at some stage you kind of like you get like a football overload type thing so to go out and sort of do different things and they had um uh like the marketplace there we went there one of the days and we went there one of the evenings where it was like mental in the evening that you had a group of argentinian and brazilian fans all like chanting at each other but it was all good nature. Like, that's the one thing that I really did notice was, uh, especially the first two weeks during the group stages, you've got fans from all over the world in such a small space. And it sounds like a really corny thing to say, but, like, it genuinely was like a festival of football. Like, everyone was all mixing in together, getting on with each other, having a laugh. So, it yeah, it, it was a, a really good experience, especially for those first sort of 10, 12 days. You mentioned exploring around, and this is something that I've been meaning to ask you is, I, th- I hope I pronounced this correctly, when you went to Katara, did you go to a museum? Because there's a photo on your Instagram of an Aston Villa ticket from the Jules Rimet Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's that uh, Katara Cultural Village, I think they called it. And they had, um, yeah, they had like, a number of like sort of different shops there. But in one of them, yeah, it was like a football museum. It was like a football memorabilia museum, basically. So there was, yeah, like t- tickets. Like basically, it was pe- people had like donated their own collections of various things to this museum. I don't know if it was just for the tournament or if it was a permanent thing or, or whatnot. So you had like match programs from like 1930s and stuff like that and loads of different ticket subs and there was a I think it was a, a top that uh, Gaza war in one of the games in Italy at 19 there um, so that, that was really cool and actually also they had um, in, in that village there was a mosque there which I think if I think it was they called it like the Blue Mosque and it was based on a, a mosque in Turkey and you could uh, basically, like visitors, you could go into the mosque with a a local who would like talk you through uh, sort of uh, Muslim culture, like how they what what actually happens in the mosque and what the various different things mean, and like they were very open to you asking any sort of question you want and like let you take photographs in there. So that was quite an interesting experience, actually. So I, I, you know, I I know. I knew a, a few things about the religion because uh, I've got a couple of Muslim friends, but I didn't know there were certain things that, that I didn't know. And it, so that was like a really actually interesting sort of unique experience to go and have because I, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person, so I don't see myself any, I don't see a scenario where I would have entered the mosque, you know, anyway, you know, the same way that I wouldn't enter a synagogue or like a church anymore. Like it's just not my thing. So to go and do that and, and sort of learn a, a bit about the culture w- was quite interesting, actually. That was a that was an enjoyable afternoon in that village. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's always a bonus to be able to expand your knowledge. Um, let's move on to the knockout stages now. We have Senegal up first. Um, again, any any sort of worry on that one? Um, no real worry with, with the game on that one. So th- this is where my holiday sort of turns. So... Um, Oh no. The, oh, no. Yeah. So in the Wales game, uh, in the stadium, I, I was feeling like a bit rough. And so, like, when we got home, I was like straight to bed. I was like, nah, I really don't feel good. And then I spent the next four, four days basically vomiting everything out of my system. And 
it resulted in on the Saturday. So England said he goes on Sunday. On the Saturday, um, basically one of my friends found me collapsed on the bathroom floor in our apartment, and I had to be taken to hospital. And it turned out I got I'd had a bout of pretty severe food poisoning. Um, so yeah, so I actually didn't go to the Senegal game because there was just. There was literally no way that I had the energy to get out of the apartment that that Sunday and go to that. And I thought I was fairly confident that we get past Senegal. And I was like, right, make sure you get yourself fully recovered for the France games, so you can make it to that. So um, yeah, I had a, I had a pretty sticky four days where I mean, I like I genuinely didn't get out of bed for four days other than to go to to the toilets to get sick. I, I was really ill. I ended up losing a stone over there, which was, you know, quite nice. I haven't looked this trim for years. So that was a bit of a bonus. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I mean, I had no idea. And I'm obviously grateful that you've made a full recovery. <laughs> but, um, that's completely taken me by surprise. Um, so food-wise, we might as well stick on the topic while we're there. Did you um, try any of the local cuisine? Uh, no, we didn't. I mean, we were planning to, um, but then... The, the sort of days that we did, Mark, to, to go and do that was the days that I was horrifically ill, so I, I couldn't go out. I mean, the, the other two lads did, to be fair. Um, but no, with most of the food um, that we had was we either, if we, if we were out watching a game in like a hotel bar or something, we, you just get something there. But we ended up just doing quite a lot of cooking and, and like sharing cooking in the apartment between the three of us because you kind of, you know, we we were out there for three weeks. We couldn't have been out there for four weeks. And you, you'd already spent a bit of money going out there. And beer was expensive when you wanted to drink out there. So we kind of thought we, we can't, there's no need to be eating out every night as well. You know, let's, there was decent enough facilities in the, in the apartment we were in to cook. So let's just you know, get food from the supermarket and sort of take it in turns. So then moving on to England's obviously final game of the tournament. Did you manage to make it out of bed for that one? I did, yes. Yeah. Um yeah, the, by by the time that game rolled around, I was uh, I was able to get back down to the beach in the in the morning to uh, to top up the town. So now I was uh, yeah, fully recovered for the England France game. Now let's talk about that France game. Obviously it, it's still quite painful to this day. Um did you think we were in with a good chance of winning? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I did, yeah. Um, I kind of, I looked at the French team and I, I thought, obviously, you know, there's, there's some very, very good footballers in there, Kylian Mbappe, probably being the, the main name that springs to mind. But I, I, I looked at our team as well and I thought, do you know what? We've, We've got a team that is more than capable of beating them. And also, I thought the strength and depth that we had on our bench for options, especially going forward to bring off, was better than what they had. Um, we kind of, at, sort of around, after, I think after the Iran game, we were chatting. And because obviously, you, you know, you're sort of plotting your way through the tournaments and it, it was, you know, on course to be in England, France quarterfinal. And we kind of, our, our feeling was that whoever wins that game, would probably would definitely go on to make the final. Would probably go on and possibly win the tournament. Um, so it felt like a huge game, and we. I was nervous going into it because you know that France have got players that, that can really cause you problems. But I did, I, I did have a feeling that that we were going to going to beat them and do it. And sort of on reflection even like it's, it's different obviously as you well know when you're at a game compared to when you're watching it on TV and at half time there was like a few moans from people around and like I was sort of saying to my teammates you know 1-0 it's fine like if it's 1-0 in the 85th minute that is fine because there's still plenty of time to, to get back into this game. And I actually thought, I thought at the time, and even more so having looked back, I thought we played better than France on the night. I, I, I thought we were pretty much in control of that game. And it was, you know, just, it just felt, it was just one of those things, just fine margins. Sometimes you play well and, and you you don't win the game. It's, you know, it's, it's it was really, it, there was no sense of anger or anything like that after the game from fans. I think it was just, a feeling of a missed opportunity and just like sort of sadness, really, that 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 we gone out the way we had, and especially I, I just I felt so sorry for Harry Kane um, because you know obviously that goal, you know, if he scores that second penalty, he breaks Wayne Rooney's goal scoring record as well. <clears throat> he gets us back to two two, and you know the momentum's back with you then. Um, you know, at, after the game, I, you saw various things about oh, should he have taken that second penalty? Even now, 100%, I'd give him that penalty. For me, there's no one better on that pitch. I'd rather have that, you know, that penalty taken. So I, I, I think personally, what what probably didn't help was the length of time it took for the decision to be given. And for me, that, you know, the referee had a, a bit of a, a, a nightmare in that game. I mean, how, how that second penalty even needed to go to a review... For me, it's a penalty in a straight red card because he's made zero attempts to play the ball. And I think because there was such a lengthy amount of time and obviously Kane and Larice teammates, <clears throat> Kane tends to, I, I think, like, if he if he has, like, a pressure penalty in the last 10 minutes of games, he'll put it down the middle. But he will know that Larice knows that he will do that. And I, I personally think the length of time and the fact they were teammates, I think that probably... You know, we just got into his head maybe a little bit. I think if the ref does his job properly in the first place and gives the penalty straight away, I don't. I, I think he's more likely to score it because he's not got that that much time to think about it. Um, but you know, you you can't blame the referee for England going. The, we didn't. England didn't lose that game because of the referee. You know, it was just one of a number of different things in there. But um, yeah, I kind of. I, it, 
in previous tournaments, specifically, I think back to Euro 2016 when we lost to Iceland, you know, that that that's a, an exit to be angry about. I don't think you could be angry with England. I, I thought, bar the USA game, I thought we played very well throughout that tournament. And I, it was just one of those unfortunate things that happens sometimes. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I actually think you're being quite nice uh, in regards to the referee for once, which is unlike you. Um, you know, because there was that big debate over the, the first penalty in the first half. Um, a lot of people were saying that that should have been given. Uh, again, I completely agree. And it was weird in the pub because although everyone was unanimous in how's that not being given as a penalty straight away, no one really picked up on the fact that it probably should have been a red card. Um, I, I think I remember saying at the time, like he's not playing the ball. He's not looking at the ball. And he's last man as well. If that cross goes into the box, Mason Mount has a tap in. So I, I don't understand why that wasn't given. Again, the amount of time and, you know, you picked up on as well. People have said that um, the same player should never take two penalties in a game. But Kylian Mbappe absolutely blasted that theory yeah. in the final, scoring three, including one can in I, shootout. Can I just ask you, just because you mentioned there, watching the pub, what what was the experience of the tournament back home? Obviously, this time of year, you know, normally an international tournament, it's in the summer. So you've got like beer gardens and the good weather and barbecues. Like how, what was the sort of atmosphere like leading into the tournament and during it and like the experience of watching it this time of year over here? So I'm probably not the best person to ask because I live in Cornwall, which is, you know, yeah. out of the way of anywhere, right? We're, lots of people prefer rugby down here. Football isn't necessarily a massive sport. However, I mean, I'm really glad you asked because it was slightly underwhelming. Um, you know, I think back to the Euros only last year and that was some of the semi-final and the final were some of the best nights of my life. I remember for the final, I had to queue in to get to the pub at about midday, 12 o'clock to get a seat, um, you know, with the <laughs> kickoff being 7pm. Whereas... You know, you could easily, they weren't full for any game, even the France game. Um, you know, you could stroll in 15 minutes before kickoff and get a table right at the front of the telly. So it was disappointing, less less obviously chanting, less etc. But yeah, I think I remember turning around and saying to the people that I was with, like, this is underwhelming considering last year we had such a good time. But then I think back to, like you said, it was in the middle of summer and obviously Newquay is a massive holiday destination. So some of the people that would have been in the pubs would have been down on holiday. So with it just being the locals this time, wasn't near enough as busy. And yeah, so it, it wasn't great, but, you know, you were always going to get that with a with a winter. And I know that, you know, there were videos of Box Park and other places that were full up and did look as though they had a really good atmosphere. So maybe I'm not the best person to ask for that one. But yeah, so we ended up going out. What did you think on Gareth Southgate's substitutions? Because obviously he brought on Sterling, which seemed a weird one considering he'd only just flown back. And then I think if I remember rightly, it was a long time ago now, but Grealish came on with about a minute to play. It it seemed weird. How was the sort of perception in the ground? Yeah, that I mean that that's one of the criticisms that I, I think he's rightly levelled at Southgate at times about his in-game management in in those big games, and I, I do think he I think he got it wrong again. Unfortunately, um, the the way that we actually set up the starting lineup, going with the same team that played Senegal, I thought was one hundred percent the right decision. 
Um, and I thought Carl Walker and Jordan Henderson actually did a really good job of nullifying Mbappe. Walker, in terms of actually physically one-on-one defending, but I actually thought Henderson, who I've been very critical of in the past, it's only the last sort of 18 months, two years, that I've, I've sort of come rounds to, to actually see what he does and what a great job he does. So I thought he was played a big part in the ball, in stopping the ball, getting out to Mbappe in the first place. Um, so I think he set up, I think he set it up right. Where I think he went wrong is once we got that equaliser, I don't, if if I'm right in thinking, not long after that, I think he took Saka off, which was a strange one. Um, but I, I, we were sort of in the grounds saying, you know, every time, whenever it, the England players get in and around the French box and run at them, they look petrified and Saka was causing them all sorts of problems. So as soon as we equalise, the first thing I'd have done it would have been to get Grealish on that pitch, purely because, I mean, we know, you know first hands, having watched him, for a number of years at Villa, he just he puts the fear of God into opponents. It doesn't matter how good an opposition player is, when Grealish has got the ball, they panic and they put two or three people out on him. And he's a clever enough player to to win free kicks and penalties. But also, when when uh, it's not on to go over an opponent, he knows he's taken two, three players out and he's clever enough and able to find a pass into people who are in the space. So, I did think he got that one wrong, definitely. And like you say, putting Sterling on was a really, really odd decision. I I don't think Sterling has had a particularly great tournament anyway. I know he, he got uh, he got gold in, in the opening game against Iran, which he took very, very well. But I, I don't think he actually played particularly well in that game or, or in the subsequent ones. And obviously, having flown home, uh, you know, to, because he had, you know, with the personal problems that he had, and then coming back out, so having not really trained, maybe had one training session. I just thought that was a really strange thing to do. And I, th- I think, did he put him on before Rashford as well? Which, again, was really, really odd. I actually thought it was quite strange that Rashford had got dropped for the Senegal game uh, after the group. So, I mean, obviously, you know, with hindsight, in, you know, England played Foden and Saka played very well in those positions. Rashford had scored, what, three goals by that stage in the tournament and very much comes across as a confidence player. So, again, I, I don't know if that that was the wisest thing to, to have left him on the bench for so long. Um, you know, the, these these are the fine margins, isn't it, between winning a game at that level and losing a game. And, yeah, unfortunately, I just, whilst I think he set up right, which he hasn't done in previous big games, once again, when when it needed strong management decisions, they 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 weren't forthcoming. Unfortunately, I mean, I I don't actually have any more to add to that. I completely agree with everything you've said. Um, let's let's stick on Southgate because it's been announced, or the rumors are, and very strong rumors are that he has decided to stay with the national team. Do you have any pending thoughts on that? I think. Before the tournament, I was very adamant that whatever happens, he should go after this tournament. Having watched the way England played for the majority of that tournament, I'm kind of of the opinion now that it's probably the right decision for for one more tournament, purely because I think the the culture that he's created with England, I, I don't think it can be... You cannot understate 
how how big a change that is. You know, I, I referenced the twenty sixteen tournaments earlier when we lost to Iceland. And it just felt like the players hated going and playing for England. Whereas now they genuinely seem to love it. But they also you get you certainly get the feeling from sort of listening to players post-match interviews since exiting the tournaments. They're still very much keen on Southgate being their manager. And I don't I don't really think there's an obvious realistic candidate to replace him. And the Euros in twenty twenty four, this only eighteen months away. You know, if if it was two years away, maybe you you think, okay, you've got a bit of time to sort of have a look and, and maybe see if you can get a replacement. But the qualifying, I think the first qualifying game is in the middle of March, you know, which that, that will come around so quickly. So I, I just, I kind of think with all those things put together, I think it's probably the right decision, but I, I'm like 99% sure that, Whatever happens, this will be his last international tournament, and I think it's sure. I think four tournaments, you know, that that that's a lot for manager to have at international level, and you know he he has done a good job with the caveat that there are flaws to him. And I, I don't think you, there's I don't think there's anything wrong with saying he has done a you know a very good job, but there are things, there are issues that that may stop us from winning a, a tournament under him, but. Yeah, like like I say, it's sort of weighing everything up together. I think on balance, it's, it's I think it's probably the right decision. Yeah, and I mean, again, sensible views and ones that I I completely echo. So let's let's get on to our review of the tournament as a whole. Actually, before we do that, there is one more thing that I want to reference about your Instagram, and I think you know where this is going. So I can see the <laughs> smile on your face. This honestly probably was the highlight of my tournament and I wasn't even there <laughs> checking in for your updates almost every day genuinely genuinely made my day where did the idea come about and for anyone that doesn't understand um so in fact I'm gonna let you explain this take it away so basically we the first day we arrived on on the opening day of that tournament so the 20th of November as soon as we checked into our apartment checked our bags in and right before, right, let's let's go and get a drink and get something to eat. Um, so we basically we were in a bar, and there was there was like a, about four or five different sets of, of of fans in there from different countries. And my mate just turned to me after maybe the fourth or fifth pint and just said, "Do you know what, side? I reckon you could get a photo with a fan from every country at this, every nation that it represents at this tournament before before we go home." And I think he, I think he said it, thinking that I wasn't going to take it on. But you know, after, after a few drinks and uh, a long flight, I was like, "Nah, go on then." And so that that night, I think I got four of them. I think it was Ecuador, USA, Mexico, and Wales. I believe were the first four I got. And then after that, I was like, once once I'd started it, I just made a run for my own back, and I was like, "Well, I've got to finish this." And it was, so I've got to be honest, some of the nations were a real challenge to get. Um, Holland was really tough to get, which was a surprise because we thought Holland would travel quite well. But um, yeah, they, they were tough to get hold of. Uh, the African countries, like uh, not, not so much the North African countries, like Tunisia and Morocco, there was a lot of their fans flying about. But um, like Ghana and Senegal were really tough. And then Switzerland was my big panic because I'd done, I think, but after made like 10 days or so, I, I got everyone except for France and Switzerland. 
And I was like, well, I'm going to get France when we play them in the quarterfinal. But Switzerland, I really need to try and find them. And obviously, I think they they went up to Portugal, didn't they, in the last 16, I think it was. And But it, it got to the day of that game and I still hadn't found a Swiss fan and I was, I was panicking a bit. So uh, what I did, I uh, the Lusail Stadium where that game was at was like four stops from the Metro that was nearest to us. So I hopped on the Metro and went to the grounds before kickoff to, to get a picture of the fans. I was like, I cannot, I've got one team left to go. I cannot go home without a Swiss fan. So uh, that's how dedicated I was <laughs> to, to that journey. That story is everything I hoped for and more. <laughs> I, I just have visions of you out there just spotting someone and going, oh my God, oh my God, let me go and get a photo. I g- genuinely got to the stage where like, uh, we, we were walking somewhere and it was maybe about eight or nine days in and we hadn't seen any Spanish fans and I just saw two across the road and I literally just like didn't even tell my two mates what I was doing. I just bolted across the road was like really sorry gotta get a photo with a fan from your country do you mind and like, yeah. to be fair the every single con- every single fan that I got a photo with was absolutely brilliant with it the only uh, the only set of fans where it was a bit up in the air was South Korea and I think it was there was a real language barrier going on and they there was, there was about like I think it was like four blokes and three women and I don't think they understood what I was asking for. They just saw me basically looking at them with my phone in my hands. And it, it took a while to, 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 for me to sort of explain what I was trying to do. And eventually, one of the blokes very graciously agreed to have the photo with me. Quality. That is, that's really funny. Um, right, let's let's move on because we're we're running out of time here. So what I want to do is sort of get your perception of the tournament as a whole so obviously player of the tournament team of the tournament etc so first of all player of the tournament this doesn't necessarily have to be who was the best player but who caught your eye to perhaps that you didn't expect to oh um well in, in terms of the, the, who i thought was like just the best player it, it was messy obviously though his messy tournament he, he was outstanding in terms of caught my eye I mean, it's, it's probably going to sound silly because I think everyone knew how, you know, he was a good player anyway. But Jude Bellingham, like, it was... I'd, I'd, I've seen him a couple of times, you know, for, for playing for England, so obviously I go to quite a lot of the England games. But, like, he's never really had, like, a consistent run of starts for England or anything like that. So you only ever really saw him in cameos and then in the odd Champions League game. But what, watching him live and, like, up close and personal for what four or five games like after every single game I I was you know we were coming away and I was saying to the lads I, I refuse to believe that he's 19 years old because he's just he was that good like I I knew he was good but I don't think I fully appreciated just how special a talent that that, that kid is so yeah I'd probably say Benningham even though it's maybe a bit of a cop-out answer no, I mean, I completely agree. Um, I think I tweeted something about it as well, that, you know, it, it's beggar's belief that he is a year older than me and <laughs> playing on the main stage at a World Cup. Um, okay, so it's team of the tournament. Now, I think I can safely guess that you're not going to say Wales after your comments on them earlier. Uh, yeah, team of the tournament. Um, in terms, I'm going to go for Morocco, uh, which I think, 
probably a lot of people would, would choose just because obviously at the start of the tournament, nobody expected them to reach the semi-final. Um, you know, they finished top of their group that are Belgium and Croatia in it. Now, I know there's obviously been well-documented problems in the Belgium camp and, you know, they're an aging team and Croatia an aging team. But they're still good teams full of good players. And for them to top that group and then to knock Spain out and then knock Portugal out, and to be honest, if they if they had a a striker who could finish, they they could well have taken France out in that semi final as well. So, yeah, I, I think you've got to go for Morocco, really. Although, also, I was I was really impressed with Japan in the group stages as well. Japan had a really good following as well, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. There's a lot of their fans over there. To be fair. Well, that sort of links into my next question is um, fan base of the tournament. Now, obviously, you have a brilliant track record of being able to answer this question as you've met every single one of them. So we have some substance behind the answer here. Uh, I'd probably say it's probably either Mexico or Argentina, just in terms of sheer volume of fans out there. I mean, to be fair, actually, all the South American like, so there was a lot of Ecuadorians out there. There's obviously, a lot of Brazilians. Um, but I, I probably if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Mexico. Like literally everywhere you went, there were so many Mexico fans, and they were like great fun as well. Like you, you have a real good laugh with them. And to be fair, actually, I've got to say, before the Iran game, uh, we we're in we we're in a bar. There was there was a lot of the England fans in there. There was a lot of Iranian fans in there. And they were they were really good fun. Like I got we you know we got chatting to quite a few of them, and they were like there was a lot of um, like English Iranians over there as well. So like a lot of you know then that sort of like lived in London places like that that were over. So you, you it was it was interesting chatting to them and like sort of seeing the excitement that they all had you know, to be there for the games. And they were a really good set of fans as well. Uh, two more, two more to go before we um we round this off. Now, <laughs> obviously, it won't be the food that ended up putting you in hospital. But what is the best food that you had out there? Oh, that's a good one. Um, ooh, that's an interesting. To be, to be fair, we it was probably pro- probably would have been one of the meals that that we cooked in the apartment. Actually, but my mates did a uh, did a really, 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 really good chili one of the nights. And uh, I I did a spaghetti bolognese, which, if I may say to myself, was lovely as well. So they were probably the best meals ones that we could do because when we were eating out, it was it was really just sort of like burger and chips and stuff like that. And sort of the, there was very limited menus in like the hotel bars. Um, so yeah, it'd probably be one of the home cut meals. Well, there we go. If I ever if I ever get the chance, spaghetti bolognese for Simon. That's what I know I'm ordering. <laughs> um, and then best moment of the tournament for you personally. Um, well, that's an interesting one. I mean, in terms like for an experience being watching the Saudi Arabia Argentina game with like the few hundred Saudi Arabia fans, that that was a really unique like experience. That that was really enjoyable, and you kind of we all we all like chanting Saudi 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 with them, like watching it. Like you really got swept up in it. So like that that was. That was a really cool experience. It personally, uh, for me, like I think it was just it was it, it, probably that Iran game, like you know the opening game. You kind of it was the feeling that you're actually watching England in a World Cup live at the game, and then you you score six against them, and 
Maybe I, I think um, Greedish's goal because obviously you know I I still love Jack. I know there's a lot of Villa fans who who aren't keen on him, but I've still got a bit you know a huge love for him. So to see him score and then the celebration as well, you know the the sort of context behind that. I just thought that that was a really sweet moment. So I think uh, you, you know how do you always get on talking about Greedish on this podcast? I think so. Th- there's a there's a real perception that some people have of him. Of, of like being a bit of an idiot and I think that showed that that showed everyone that you know that he is, he is a, a really just down to earth really nice like sweet guy basically and so that was quite nice to see and um, yeah yeah probably that opening around game and everything around that well I mean it just sort of went downhill from there really didn't it <laughs> <laughs> and then last one if you had the chance to go again with the knowledge that you do now is there anything that you'd do differently obviously the not not eat the meal that ended up putting you bed bound. Yeah, that uh, that's one thing. Um, I, we wouldn't have booked through Sports World. <laughs> we, we, we would have, we'd have, uh, we'd have, you know, booked our own flights and sort of yeah, accommodation of ourselves. And I, I think the other thing we would have, we would have done. So the the one big disappointment that we had is we we only ended up with tickets for the England games, and so many people that we spoke to out there went to so many different games. And I think the mistake we made was when we were applying for tickets, there was the, I think, before they went on sale, like, to team-specific, like, tickets, there was, like, a a general ballot thing. And we were told, as, like, members of the England Travel Club, that if you applied for tickets, and I think this is before the draw had been made, maybe, and they said, if you apply for tickets in the ballot and you get, a ticket that happens to be for an England game, it could affect uh, future ticket purchase for England games in the tournament, which turned out to be complete nonsense. So, yeah, on reflection, I think we'd have maybe pushed harder to try and get tickets for other games uh, because that that would have been quite a nice experience. But, you know, these are just the the, the things that you learn the sort of first time going off to the tournament, you know, when the, there's a group of us planning to go to Germany in 2024. So I think we'll, we'll be better prepared to, to do things slightly differently for that one. And hopefully you don't end up in hospital in Germany either. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, the, the food is very bland over in Germany. So <laughs> there's uh, you know, there's, there's no, there's no exotic fish that is going to disagree with me. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I've learned a lot from this episode and it actually turned out to be more more than I expected it to be. Well, I think we all know that England isn't perfect, but it's home, right? And one day football will come back. I've been Seb. Thank you to Simon for joining me. And as the Argentinians would probably say, Emmy, if you're listening, adios por ahora. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.